Hi, this is Jesse Cash. I play guitar and sing in ERA. In January 2021, ERA entered the studio to record additional songs for the deluxe edition release of our self-titled record. The original self-title was released two months after this audio was recorded. At the time of these sessions, a new studio for Atrium Audio was under construction elsewhere, so this conversation took place at a temporary space called Capture Vision in Landisville, Pennsylvania, during the sessions for the deluxe songs. In this conversation, we go pretty in-depth. We talk about the three new songs as well as the three covers, why we chose to cover those songs. We also get into a bit of band therapy. <laughs> it's a pretty intimate conversation, and after listening back, I, I, I think it's a pretty healthy one. Um, and we do try to have these kinds of conversations as often as possible, as I think it's uh, very helpful for bands to do that. Um, anyways, that's, that's pretty much it. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Yeah, so we are here recording songs because we have a lot of free time to do so. I don't know what your favorite, what's your favorite song? Uh, my favorite songs in no particular order are, are Electric Twilight, Divisionary, Scorpion Hymn, and House of Glass. Perfect. What about you? This is tougher for me. House of Glass in, in the same no particular order. House of Glass, Scorpion Hymn. Vanish Canvas is, which is so weird for me because I normally cater more towards like the aggressive, heavier songs. Just a sucker for like breakdowns and that type of vibe. But something about Vanish Canvas, I just absolutely adore. I think it's beautifully written. I think it's has a good ending. Yeah, that, that one makes is, me feel a lot, you know, gives me all the feels. That one is like 100% my favorite song. Nice. Finish Canvas is my favorite. Uh, I, I think it's like, I don't know, like that like main, the main like verse riff, I like that it takes the whole song until the very end to finally, like finally at the very end it goes sustained. It's no longer muted and it's actually like apart and it's heavy and I just like love the tension building of that song and I'm pretty happy with uh, I don't know, I'm happy with my vocal performance in that song. Like, I like the, the takes a lot. And it feels like, like I was having a good day. I was kind of in the zone. Yeah, Electric Twilight kind of surprises me. Um, that's like, that's one of, I, I, I like that song. I like every song on the record. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting fade. It's fun. It is a fun one. It's bouncy. I like what you said because this is the first record where like I'm completely content with every single track on it. All the records, I'm like this. Some songs might have either felt forced or like un incomplete or just not as realized as the other, the rest of the tracks. And less cohesive. But this one just feels like we had so much time. We we nothing got overlooked. Like we we devoted every ounce of our brain power and creative energy to the songs, and they got the attention they deserved and needed. And will show for itself. Yeah, I feel like this is probably like an over analysis thing, um, just because like you know I'm writing a lot of it. But like I, when I look back at records of ours, um, I think when I like think about track listing, I like think to like front load the first half of the record with the best songs, which might be what all bands do. It's hard to tell. Um, <laughs> obviously because it's so subjective, but usually, you know, I, I, I can get all my favorites, I can like hear back all my favorites, like front loaded at the front of the record. This one, like, it doesn't really feel like it has a dropping out point. Like yeah. track nine could easily be track two. And uh, 
track 11 was track 2. Like, like you know, it was so hard to figure out the track listings. It was like, well, I want to front load all the priority songs, but every song feels like a priority, which is, mm -hmm. like, a nice situation to be in, because I feel like that is, that's rare. That, like, tells me, okay, like, I was pretty pretty stoked about writing this stuff if, if, I'm, if I have this problem. Especially on a record that has 12 tracks and no instrumental, yeah. no intro song, just straight to the meat. Yeah, and for this reason, picking the singles was, like, still uh, tough. <laughs> it definitely wasn't, like, heated, but we were, you know, we all had, like, slightly differing opinions. I think we all agreed on Snowblood, Divisionary, House of Glass, maybe. Yeah, House of Glass, that, I'm really happy that became a single. Um, I don't remember, I think, better than we could have anticipated, just with it being, like, I guess this is a little different, yeah. Um, I, I think I think that's that song and Shadow Autonomous, which, to our earlier point, those are my other two favorites. Vanish Canvas, Shadow Autonomous, House of Glass, and then Lunar Halo. It's my uh, unsuspecting favorite. Shadow Autonomous and House of Glass took the most time to write. I think partly because they were so different. Um, just getting it, just like, because yeah, it felt like it's like kind of tapping into sort of a fresh sound and like it took me extra time to get that dialed in. Whereas a song like Snowblood, I wrote just in like one super productive inspired day. And like that sound is more what I, I know that we've been doing for a while, that we're just like good, like we have that, like that style pretty dialed in. Whereas mm -hmm. the ones that seem kind of fresh took a little bit more time to figure out arrangement and stuff. And, yeah, well, and it, it's been fun to, to watch the way these songs have been received, mm -hmm. and it's it's gone exactly as I hoped, in that, like, you see the people that are, like, Snowblood is my favorite, you have The House of Glass is my favorite people, and you have The Divisionary is my favorite people. It, it definitely feels like the most eclectic era record, but, I mean, it's still a metal record. I feel like the next one will even further expand upon that. Because, I mean, yeah, like, kind of like freshening things up, I feel like, can be tough, um, but it's getting easier. Like, um, and, and I, th I think like the, the easier that it gets to try new things, the better a band gets. You know what I mean? Like if, if we're just doing what feels right and not being weighed down by any expectation of what we're supposed to put out or what the album art is supposed to look like or what the record's supposed to be called, um, it, just, it feels just so like free. It's just like this like unlimited capacity for what the songs can be when you're not weighed, ba weighed down by expectation. Like, I just feel like we were giving more wiggle room with so many things. Budget, art, our team is, is so vast and we have great help from so many places. It takes a lot of the load off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also been a work in process. Like, we, f we figured out what we already do well and then other things yeah, that like we've neglected. Like, uh, I mean, it wasn't really until I've God that we <clears throat> were just like, you should do whatever you want with your vocal range, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's like, and then when we've seen that resonate, um, and that's something that I think you guys kind of avoided for a while. Well, it's like avoided, it's just uh, something like... Didn't feel appropriate. Right, it didn't yeah. feel appropriate. Drift is such a, I feel like Drift is such a pretty record overall. It's definitely, I said, it's heavy moments, but like there's so many parts that just kind of call for 
a specific type of vocal style. Um, and again, like we wrote some metal ass songs in the self title, which really allowed for more vocal yeah, dynamics yeah. more appropriate. Yeah. <clears throat> and I can weigh in on what you guys won't say, which is that I um, was like way more particular for Drift and Neon about like, I mean, I guess, I guess kind of like micromanaging and just like wanting to like it, we have to do this type of vocal we can't do this type of vocal like no highs kind of thing I was like I don't want to I don't want to like do this kind of sound I want to do this kind of sound but then I just kind of relaxed and realized like that like really like limited your capabilities well yeah and I was just like I need to I wasn't against it though because I, I I mean I was with you like I wanted the because I don't like when you know I don't want to be the vocalist that just uses his range to show off. Like I want it to complement the part in the song. That's why we're so particular about like what types of screens are used for the mains and what's, what's yes. like a layer. Yeah. Which, which I get. Like a, like I have that same priority. Like what serves the song. But yeah, I think like just taking a step back and kind of saying to myself like saying to myself like, hey, like you don't always know what's best to serve the song. Like and just giving other people room to like. Mm -hmm. Get, put their take on it and just see what happens so yeah like for I have gotten for much of this record like I wasn't in the room when you were tracking vocals like I was like I, I kind of knew what was going on pretty but like then I just sure. left and just kind of let trusted the, the process basically and it turned out way better well I think I've got was just like a fun that was like the beginning of such a fun process well we were excited to meet Grant and Carson and get in here and and their dynamic probably allowed for just this but we also knew we also knew that you wanted to be more expansive. True. We do take like some of the critical feedback, and ultimately, like I agree with you guys that like you know expanding on a crazy range over like a very emotional or, or beautiful song, like it doesn't really make sense right. if it's not driving home like the emotion of the song. So I I've never really understood that feedback, but like you guys are saying for the more metal songs for I've God for much of the new record, it, it makes more sense. And it's more interesting as a listener, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So how that realization came about, I mean, the process of, like, tracking Neon, I, I feel like was pretty, uh... It, it got, like, kind of heated at times. No, because it wasn't really heated. Because that was kind of the problem, is that, like, I am so direct and honest about, like, everything, like, including, like, what I want of the song, and I would just, like, bring about those ideas, like, so, so straightforwardly, and then uh, I think you're, like, you would kind of, like, just shut down because I was, like, almost being, like, you know what I mean? Like, I was being so direct with my feelings and it was, like, going against what maybe you wanted to do for the song. So, like, they kind of, like, weren't really communicating on the things we were disagreeing on. And I think it made the process just, like, really stressful. It wasn't fun to, like, track that record. <laughs> you know there's I mean? there's yeah. a bunch of play there. Well, there's, there's me wanting to have my own identity in the band. I know that you are the primary, really still primary songwriter. Um, so having the balance of you carrying the vision of the material you've written, but also allowing me to have some the, the enough creative input where I feel like I've done something to satisfy my needs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was funny for me because I wasn't officially in the band at that time. But like I was yeah, still very close to you true. guys. You know, I, I did hang out with you in L.A., I and so I, why you were there, I was working. But I would hear, I would hear like, from Jesse, you know, his side of the situation. Then I would hear from you. So I was just like <laughs> getting the story, but I wasn't actually there. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. But then, and then he tried to lure me into happiness with food and it worked. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we kind of talked about this, like, uh, in one interview that we did about, uh, the neon songs that's on YouTube. We kind of, we kind of discussed that regarding the song Unify. We talked about just me having to kind of read between the lines and realize that like I was like oppressing JT and then, uh, and then just looking in the Google Doc that we share and realizing that he's writing lyrics about a song, writing lyrics to a song about an experience that happened that day, which was me. <laughs> like being like really, really direct about like what I did or didn't want to do. But um, yeah, this time around, I mean, what it is, I mean, like in simple terms is just like, we figured each other out. Yeah. Like all of us we just gradually started figuring each other out. Now just like, as people but just how we operate like in a studio setting it's like a whole different it's a whole different thing like like the relationship in the studio versus like on tour you know like on tour you just have to get along there's no creativity that goes into it like here it's like you like you have to sync up your feelings and your emotions and you're bearing a lot of your soul too yeah so it's like a lot touchier and like more personal it like here than Mm -hmm. it is out there well one of my favorite things you've always said is we're trying to leave pride at the door because we're trying to create the best result. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. Yeah, Brian had, Brian had said that like years ago. He really? said progress over pride in the studio. Sometimes that's hard, though. And I, I mean, I for me, it, it, at points it was hard, but it's gotten much easier because, like you said, we just, I understand how you operate and I understand the process to get to the point where we're, there's a, not only a compromise, but like um, more accepting of your ideas as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I realized that, like, if I just, uh, if I just, like, allowed you to, like, have the freedom to, like, do what is within your, like, capabilities with your voice, then we would get the best out of the song. Right. So, yeah, I just analyzed how difficult it was, like, just how not on the same page things were with Neon, and I was like, that that can't happen anymore. Like, that doesn't, that's not going to translate into the best quality of what we're able to do if, like we're not hearing each other, if we're not listening. So, yeah, I, I like, just pulled JT, like, me, me and him had a conversation. <laughs> me and JT just had a conversation before the, recording the self-title, or really, even before I have God, and I was like, look, I know how things were. It's not going to be like that this time. This I'm going to, like, totally fuck off. And, like, I know there's going to be moments where, like, I start, like, slipping a little bit, and then I'm just, I think I did a good job of, Acknowledging that and being like, there, like, I remember moments where I was like, no, no, don't do, no, you gotta do this, no. And then I'd be like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And, like, and, and I would just get up and be like, I would just leave the room. I, I would just be like, I'm just gonna fucking remove myself from the situation because I think it'll be a more productive environment if I'm not. Plus, with the way that Carson and Grant operate, like, it makes it easier to trust in Grant for, for some of those mm-hmm. decisions too because, because Carson is. Tracking one thing generally with Jesse, Grant is tracking another thing with JT generally if Jesse's busy, and so a lot of that onus is on Grant, like to make decisions if a pattern works or if a, if a to kind of to kind of like bad. second guess you, if you will, he's a, and he's work a, with you to help you with things that you're not sure of. He's a great person to have in your corner for sure, mm-hmm. and given that I he was the first person I ever worked on producer wise in a studio, so I knew how he operated, so that allowed me. To have that sort of like returning comfort. Yeah, I think if he thought it sucked, he wouldn't. He is very honest. Yeah, he he is, but he's more. Um, I don't even know if he's more tactful than I would be in maneuvering. Like he's still pretty direct, but like, mm-hmm. but he doesn't come off like I like I don't know. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. 
It's, yeah, it's more like, hey, what if we tried this here instead of like, no, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think for a while, too, um, I, I wanted to, like, impress you guys, like, and I feel like I didn't get a chance to, like, like, of course, impress us. We let, we let you in our bed. <laughs> well, not just that. Like, I, I, you know, I never want to have the ceiling over my head. Like, I want to keep growing. And there was points I was like, man, I really think, like, I'm not getting an opportunity to really, like, expand or, like, show some chops. And, yeah. and again, like, some, some of those times, like, probably weren't the right times, but there was also moments, like, I wish I took some more risks. And it took a while, but, like, now that we're there, I've even surprised myself. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing about not being able to tour the last year is that I feel like I feel like our band and a lot of our like uh, friends things seem to be like really growing like a lot of numbers are like doubling and I'm seeing this I'm seeing this as a trend with like a lot of people that we know who have been grinding in their band for a while and things are kind of starting to pay off so it's interesting about being in the pandemic is that all this growth seems to be happening everyone's band seems to be doing better than ever. But when you can't like physically go out and see it, like when you can't physically talk to the people who are the reason why the growth is happening, when you can't play shows, when you can't see the increase in turnout, like it's a uh, it's weird because like like when Snowblood came out, it was so well received, and we were very happy about that. But usually when we put any song out, I'm happy for like a while, like it like it lasts longer because there is you are able to like go and physically like see and feel the the signs of it of it really growing and it doing well but like but you know now it's like putting out a song and then just being like cool and just like reading the comments and then the next day like i'm still just at home yeah like like the the buzz is more short-lived and i think that could ultimately end up being beneficial like like maybe that like psychologically it's good to not like get caught up in the buzz and just kind of take things as they are but i will say the the, the buzz of like rolling things out, it's not the same when you can't physically like be a part of the energy at a show and talk to people and feel that what you're doing now is working. Mm-hmm. I think this also be the longest we've, time we've released a single to wait to play those songs on an actual tour Definitely. as well. Definitely. Well, yeah, and I mean, we got it easy. Yeah. Really, because you know, we waited several months after the start of the pandemic to start rolling stuff out. So some bands just like... Yeah, it's funny. It's like, we, we are, we second guess ourselves a lot and we're slow, generally, like, in just making decisions and like, assessing all of our options. And with that said, this has actually benefited us just from that angle, because we didn't have, it's like we finished recording just before the pandemic hit, but we didn't actually have final mixes until July. Yeah. Uh, whereas like, if, if, if it was business as usual, we would have had a tour in July or in September, and we would have like we would have had to rush the process. We would have ended up with mixes that I'm sure still would have been great because Carson's great, but like not quite to the to the extent that they're at now. Mm-hmm. And the the videos, all the visuals associated, like would have yeah, would have would have been different, you know. Yeah, yeah. But to jump back to to your point, like when we put out this disarray, we were on tour with Dance Gavin Dance. When we put out Breach, we were either on Summer Slaughter, we were about to be. When we put out I Have God, we were just about to go do the, the co-headline tour with North Lane. Mm-hmm. And like we got to see all of the responses to those songs in real time. So now we're gonna whenever touring returns, is like we're gonna have an entire record plus however many singles to decide what we're gonna play and like 
Yeah. See I, it resonate a year later, or however long it's going to be. I, I mean, like, we love seeing the numbers go up, but, like, I... I need. I want the physical evidence. Like, like, oh, it, like for sure. Doing this for a living is so much more for me about the physical aspect of it. Like, I, I, I love to tour. You yeah, know? that's what I separates being a studio musician from a touring musician. It's funny. I can remember all the shows that we played that like incorporated when a single came out. Like, Disarray was uh, the Alamo dance cabin dance tour we had practiced like four times in the past m- couple months so like the fourth show we played in months was the first time we ever played disarray and then eye of god we played in nashville at the end and that was not clean and there's a video of <laughs> yeah. it on youtube forever yeah and it's there's it's like one of the most yeah. viewed versions of that song it's just kind of funny how it happens I don't remember how it went. I, I, well, I, it probably did good. It was it's, fine. it's funny. No, it's just <laughs> yeah, funny. Fine. It's funny because that was right before that tour was before we had uh, all of our production and stuff. So like, yeah, one of the most viewed versions of the of the song is the first time we ever played it without any of the production in a small room. And then there are these awesome videos with like mm-hmm. all these lights and great audio and everything. And to so go from the end to the telegram room, telegraph, telegram room. See, I don't. Yeah. So funny. I, I don't tele, tele, uh, telegram. 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 Tele- Telegram. 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 Yeah. I'll let you guys worry about that stuff because I do not worry about YouTube performances and shit. If people like don't know, get yeah. how it is, like I there's no room in my brain to have any concern I'm not, with that. I'm not worried. Yeah. We I I like to see a cool production and I like to hear it. I like it to sound yeah, good. Yeah, um, they can find that for for, for me <laughs> as a as a viewer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's many people that see that one video be like, This band's trash. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't care. It's like this one day out of like yeah. 150 shows we play a year. Yeah, for it's like, sure. It's like it, I, ex- I try to exist within the bubble of the moment that we are performing the music. Like right. I, I hate watching live videos on YouTube because it just, it's like this isn't. Oh. This doesn't justify anything. Like I don't know. Yeah, you don't, re- you don't remember the the vibe or the feel of the room when you're watching a performance. If anything, you're just like seeing how you walked or how you stood, and yeah. not really how you felt. But the, but all the but all this like uh, like live stream live stuff though. It's sick that that is an option though. Mm-hmm. It's like the closest, you know, definitely the coolest closest thing. Yeah. Which we haven't done one of those. Which uh, we should do one of those. Okay. Well, I get this out of the way right now. Uh, we are we are not an anti-Christian band, but we are covering a song that is of an anti-Christian song. Um, I don't know. Everyone's like got their own beliefs. I don't really know actually what everyone believes in the band. I think people are pretty neutral. I think most of us are boarding on agnostic, but uh, we just feel like it's worth bringing it up because we're covering a song that has the lyric, God is dead. So Several And times. no one cares. Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's like not lyrics that we would ever write, and it, and it was kind of strange singing them, but uh, I'm not really looking too far into it. If, if anyone wants to look into it, that is completely within their jurisdiction to do so. I love Nine Inch Nails. We all like that band, and we all like that song, and we covered it. So there's a lot of aspects of songs outside of the lyrical content that just made sense. Like especially the intro of that song. It sounds in a very similar vein of how Snowblood starts. Yeah, it's just a rad song. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like there was a lot of potential of like cool things to do with it to make it sound like an era song. Statement 
or, yeah. or like stand that we're taking. We're not putting it on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I think you listen to songs and go, how can I make this cool? Yeah. In the context of Eric. Yeah. So now it's all over because we covered that song. <laughs> I know we were happy to be like, hey, we have these ideas. We have this time. We have uh, a, a label to back our ideas and our budgets. So I think we were just excited to have an opportunity to get stuff done early and just like have it and have it prepared. Another another big thing was that like we knew that it was looking like we were not going to be able to put the self-titled record out. Uh, it, it was starting to look like we were for sure not going to be able to put it out on tour. We were definitely going to have to put it out during the pandemic. And once like that realization happened, we were like, okay, well, maybe right now we can put things in place in preparation for when touring does come back that we'll kind of have more material to roll out. So we were just like, let's just like build up the back, you know, the stuff that we have in our back pocket that we can roll out whenever it's appropriate so that we're not touring on music that came out, you know, seven months, 12 months prior or yeah. something. So, so that was, that was like a huge impetus. And sometimes you can't force that, you know, like if, if like it's tough, sometimes it's just tough to write, but um, it wasn't tough to write these era songs. It was like, it felt pretty natural. It was like, it felt fun. Like yeah. uh, they, they, they don't just feel like, you know, like we have time we're here. They don't feel like B sides. They feel yeah. like, um, they feel like pretty, pretty fleshed out to me. Like I, I'm pretty happy with the three originals and then the covers. We all have their own legs to run on, feet to stand on. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking about doing more covers forever, ever since. I never thought we would be that band. I'm kind of happy we are because I'm always, I've always been a big fan of covers. I remember uh, when we were in Australia, yeah, in October 2017. I remember those days. All of us, the whole band, were sitting in a bar and we were talking about. Yeah, we, we were just like, we just do a cover album. Um, I don't know if we'll do a cover album, but in that conversation, we just made a super list, and I just had that list and I've added to it, and we've talked about, you know, like stuff to add and take away and whatnot. So, so the covers is definitely like a joint conversation of all of us talking about cool stuff from like the '90s. I think we're all pretty on the same page that we don't want to do. Um, obvious like pop music covers because I feel like a lot of bands like that's the that's the impetus to do a cover is like well maybe someone who likes Katy Perry will hear this Katy Perry cover and it'll blow our band up like good on you but um I don't want to do that yeah. uh, I don't think any of us care about that um we just want to cover stuff that's cool that feels yeah. that meshes with the stuff we liked when we were younger so that still that still carries over today mm -hmm. too yeah, well, present I, influences. The, so, I, so I would say, as far as like in terms of like me ultimately saying, well, yeah, let's do this one, not that one. I think the reason why it comes down to me in that situation is because like I'm transferring it to the context of like an era metalcore song. Yeah. So there's some songs like, for example, like Connor wanted to do Hysteria by Muse, and um, I actually like Hysteria more than Stockholm Syndrome. I prefer the song. But whenever I sat down and like pre-proed it all out on my computer, I was like, well, Hysteria is already kind of perfect. Like, I don't think I could do anything to this to make it our own. Whereas Stockholm Syndrome, there's a lot of riffs in it that sound like metal riffs. And like they play in like modes that we play in for some of our heaviest songs. So I was like, I think I can really take this and like make it feel like an era song. Whereas Hysteria, I couldn't. So, so, so that's where it ultimately comes down to me is just for that reason. Not in just like what... We prefer to cover, but just like what can I, what do I feel confident I can transfer into an era song? Queens of Sound is a good example like that. Like 
that song is it's it already has like mostly harsh vocals mm-hmm. that there's no melodic vocals and it's like just riding on one string the whole time so I was like yeah this song is begging to be a heavy metal song because I think we all kind of more or less I mean we didn't grow up together yeah but we grew up more or less listening to the same shit mm-hmm. and and like I think doing the covers also in some ways shows where influences from original era songs come from like when people hear the beginning of snowblood and they relate it to like a modern metalcore band that used synth i think hearing that nine inch nails reference mm-hmm. kind of gives more uh background to, to to current era songs that people are hearing yeah uh like i would say a good portion of like the peak like midi stuff like on the record like the end of division area is absolutely influenced by nine inch nails it's like there's just a gradual stack of these synth layers, these different sounds all playing the same thing, but they just gradually stack with the bass, and it ends up being like five or six different things going on, and like that is definitely Trinoresser influence. And, and with that, and with that same exact part, I remember when you were first telling me about Divisionary before I had ever heard it, when you were like still tabbing it out, you had compared that part to Muse too, ironically. The bass yeah. riff. Yeah, because we, like, we're talking about stereo, like like uh, the the intro of that, like the, the way the bass sounds is so iconic, and like they're usually hanging out like in, in the, you know the, the pentatonic scales. Same thing with Nine Inch Nails. Like Nine Inch Nails, like the bass guitar has such a character in so many of their like more iconic songs. I mean, the hand that feeds. Nah, 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 nah. I mean, like everyone knows that, mm-hmm. and uh, the song only too. Like, like, yeah, so so just like. Having a part where the the synth layers and the bass were elevated over the guitar is like completely like like National is very influential to that mode of thinking. Yeah, we're recording Stockholm Syndrome by Muse, Heresy by Nine Inch Nails, and Light My Way by Audioslave. Mm-hmm. Does Alex know to do those drums today? Was that too? Did I question too much there? No, does he know we did that song? Yeah. Okay. I, I texted him in advance and was like, learn this. I actually didn't know because they decided like two days ago. I, I, I can't, in, in case we do end up, you know, seems like this point Audio Slave is getting used, so talk about that for a second because um, the Audio Slave cover, uh, we, we almost weren't going to use. We actually planned not to do it while we were here. We kind of only did it because we had extra time. And the reason why is because Quite frankly, I'm a little afraid because Chris Cornell not only is an amazing singer, and it's kind of hard to live up to like his delivery on a on a song, but also he died, so there's a lot of expectation there, like a, like a lot of like pressure, and also um, I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm to be honest, I'm a little afraid of the idea of anyone thinking that like we're trying to uh, I don't know, I don't know if it's like someone might perceive it to be in poor taste to cover a song of someone who hasn't been gone that long. Uh, but that's just me being in my head because I just, I want to take it seriously. Like I, I want to like respect the song. Yeah. Um, but also like that record was the first heavy record that I ever liked. Really? Yeah. The, the, like that was into that. That record was the one that got me. It was like my stepping stone towards other alt rock stuff like Nine Inch Nails and Breaking Benjamin. It's all like the same timeline, and then that evolved into Under Earth and Asley Dying. You know what I mean? It, it all it started from that Audio Slave record, and then it moved on and grew into metal. 
And Light My Way is one of the... It's, a, it's like a... It, I guess it's like a, a... I feel like people that know that record know that whole record, but I guess it's like a deep cut from the record, but it's just like... It's, it always sounded to me like it could have been a single, and it's just really heavy, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're doing it. It's, but yeah, I'm terrified about nailing it. Like, I really want to get it right. Oh, mm. I mean, I, I know you. We won't put it out until it's worthy. Or yeah, ready. My my my. <laughs> for, I'll probably throw it away if, if it doesn't feel yeah. appropriate. But it's feeling like it's like it's close. We we, we tried to keep it pretty true to the original. Mm-hmm. Like most of the, the liberties taken are related to just like accent layers tuning. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the same tuning. Yeah. Uh, I knocked it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the song is in drop D. Uh, so we recorded guitar in just like standard uh, drop D tuning. But like the main layers are double drop D, so it's like we have stereo pan of double drop D guitars, and like a mono track of the you know normal D octave, mm. and it sounds very heavy. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty sick. <laughs> Two thousand one, two thousand two, when that record came out. I think it was 02. What were yeah. you listening to then? What were your, what were your uh, growth records? Corn, uh, Nine Inch Nails. Um, you guys were creepier than me. Yeah, I was a pretty basic little redneck kid. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, I, the, like new metal in general. Uh, Disturbed. Uh, Disturbed was a big one. Yeah, we've talked about covering Disturbed song. One day. Edema. I loved Edema. Yes, dude. <laughs> um, and then like Oh amazing. Yeah, I feel like corn was my and then like it then then the transition all started with kill switch engage for me. But that wasn't probably till I was like maybe thirteen or fourteen. The sickness stupefy was literally the gateway song for me. My mom showed me stupefy on like a clock radio when I was like eleven. Damn. I swear. On a clock radio. Yeah. It was like one of those like the Magnavox or Sony or whatever it was. That's sick. RCA maybe. I, yeah. I remember we're in my bedroom. Yeah, I would have thought you guys were, were creepy and weird. <laughs> like, what do you like? Taste taste wise? Well, 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 because of the, the new metal stuff, like you know, like the dudes that were like like that, like the yeah, the braids, just the crazy, uh, yeah, the, the, the braids and like it'd be like a like a pinstriped dress and like matching gloves and just oh, and, like makeup and stuff. Like I like I was like at ten years old, I was still like not for me. But like 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 Audio Slave, and uh, like Breaking Benjamin, and even at that time Nine Inch Nails, because it was you know like Trent Reznor was like pretty pretty. I guess it was always kind of kind of like a normal look, despite the crazy music. But for me, I wasn't uh, I wasn't scared off by it. Like 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 it, it took me a minute to like not be scared off by metal. Okay. I remember the first time I heard like a true hardcore band. My best friend Will showed it to me. It was the first year we started hanging out. He kind of introduced me to he actually introduced me to guitar. And he showed me Evergreen Terrace. Wow. Great band yeah. issues. And I was like, I remember saying, I was like, uh, I was like, they only, um, I was like, the only reason why they scream is because, like, like these bands, like, don't have enough talent to know how to sing. And it was, like, uh, like, like, <laughs> like, I was, like, sh- like shitting on his taste because I was like, I just didn't get metal. And then I heard 
Asley dying, and I was like, well, I like the choruses, and then I started playing guitar more, and I was like, it's a lot more fun to play like this, and then, uh, and now I'm, and now I'm a weirdo like you guys. Well, I think this thing that separates my, you my, two is you were, did you play in, when, how young were you when you started playing music? 13 or 14. Yeah. But, no, but my trajectory was similar, because I started with, I started with, like, Creed and Three Doors Down. 311 Down. And that was like a heavy, that's like one of their heavier, like, uh, songs ever. Is that one of the singles or no? Change my face. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that song. I heard that, I was like, it's like a, there's like a metal tone on their guitar riff. Yeah. Um, like that kind of rap metal vibe. I mean, I was listening to like Limp Biscuit. I even knew a Limp bunch Biscuit, of, yeah. I know a bunch of ICP songs Mud still. Bane. Like, I, I went across the board. Mudvayne. Yeah, yeah so, you were a weirdo. But here's the thing. So you guys played music when you were in high school. I was the kid in pop collars and magic shorts. I was like closet emo kid. Because I would go to school looking like a total prep, but I was listening to like Senses Fail and like uh, uh, Papa Roach. Oh, Papa Roach. Yeah. yeah. By the time I was in high school, I was fully converted. Yeah. I it took me years. I went to my first metalcore show. I was wearing... A uh, hot topic ball, as I dying shirt, uh, American Eagle jeans, and clogs, <laughs> like the slip-on ones with the yeah. back missing. Like, oh yeah, that that's was, what I thought. That was my first wore. job. I worked I looked in a, like a scrub in a warehouse for five years selling or uh, distributing clogs. Really? But uh, but um, yeah, my first metalcore metalcore show was was In Flames, Killswitch Engage, As I Dying, two thousand four. As I Dying were like eighteen, nineteen, like. Force the band like 2005. Yeah. I always like it when bands have more to present than just music, or they're creating a world around the music, or you know, I think for the people that want to go deeper and like want to try to read between the lines and see what a band's inspired by and influenced by, I like when that also carries over into visuals, whether it be you know music videos, photos, um, the website, like everything. And so I think for this record, we put more effort into trying to create more of a story than just have like an album art with a cool pretty picture on it that like right. could be related to the record and so in doing so like we love film we talk about movies a lot jesse's an avid reader jt is a great photographer i like design i like fashion clothing whatever and so i think we tried to take all these things and create more of a a world and more of like a an overall picture that supports the music versus just like having the music be the the only real focal point mm -hmm. in addition to like a cool album and so the process in doing so was like obviously like having the support from from unified assembling a team that could could help us see that through and so we involved my friend jeff that i grew up with who's a designer in new york and who has a lot of the same like grew up listening to a lot of the same music watching a lot of the same movies and could understand where we were coming from and then he kind of took our vision and like paired it with what he knew to build what we have now in, in in literally every aspect the photos the music videos websites merch everything as, yeah it's worth pointing out pointing that out too like like if, like uh if you look at everything we've been rolling out over the last nearly a year you know since snowblood came out of well, august but if you, if you look at the way we've been rolling everything out like I, I all the colors used all that is intentional and it's all based off of yeah we're like we're sticking to a strict continuity like that's all purposeful you know the red yellow the lavender the Blue. There's like a limited amount that we're working with in order to keep everything just consistent and tidy and like serving this like very focused theme. I'm really excited about it because I we talked about this a couple of times, but um, I just I like that it uh, everything around the music seems to serve to elevate the music more than ever. That is the main focal point of intricacy and everything around it 
its main goal is just to elevate that. Yeah. I think the execution's yeah. been fun too. Yeah. It's it's absolutely. Well, well, process of change has been refreshing. It's, really it's been like it's been, it's exciting for us. It's Very. Like, it's like uh, this is something fresh, but like the music, the music feels fresh, but also it just feels feels like it deserved some kind of like paradigm shift. Like like it like like the it deserved to have great songs. Yeah, great yeah. Song well, and, and and like a lot a lot of listeners a lot of listeners don't really care about that sort of thing, and 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 they still have exactly what it is that they want, yeah, which is. They can pay attention to the things they do care about, but I love that the people who do really care and who want to like look deeper, like for example, the divisionary teaser that we put out. In theory, it's very simple. We provide you a code, you put it into a, a an entry space, and you hit enter and you get a, a simple reward. But I was amazed by how much people wanted to read between the lines because we did put more in there. Like these codes, if you translated from hex to English, gave you, and the hex code came from the Divisionary music video, from the background of the video, so all these things are tied together, um, and the inspiration for the Divisionary video came from obviously the lyrical content, so all these things ultimately tie back to the music, they tie back to the lyrics and the themes, but for the people that want to, to put in the extra effort, like, they, they translated what these codes meant. The background hex codes also spelled out things. They spelled out lyrics, they spelled out, you know, little hints. And I was amazed that, like, people took the entire scrolling text, or type, whatever numbers, on, on the website and translated them and found out the lyrics to the entire song before the song ever came out. You know, I personally just really value that stuff. I like it when artists do that. And I'm glad to have Connor and Jeff, like, those people who, who are just paying attention to those kind of things. I mean, I, I like that stuff too. It's just, um, you know, like I, I, I don't usually know like where to go with it, like where to take it, like where to start. Like I, most of my value just lies in writing the songs. So to know that like that kind of thing is getting taken care of and it's making the whole process around my, my part in it more special, that's cool. And to take it a step further, like there's the band mm -hmm. and, and our manager, Corey, who are like, you know, leading these ideas alongside Jeff, you know, our, essentially our creative sure. director. But then we've got... We've got Kevin and the hometown crew that, that shot the music videos and like really understood what we wanted to do and, and like took them to the next level. Um, you know, we, we had treatments for them, but like they made everything so much cooler than I could have imagined. Um, Aaron, who took the photos, yes. um, who's, who's also been an ally of the band forever, who made album art and stuff like that, a friend, uh, just a friend of, of all of ours. And then uh, Trev, you know, our, our, our old merch manager, who's again, one of our best friends, developed the website. And, and so like, we've just been able to make this, this team around this band that really consists of our friends. And everyone like followed like this like system of continuity that Jeff had established. Like, like everyone followed like the color theme, the dystopian, like sci-fi vibes and stuff. Like, like, like everyone was on the same page about every aspect of this rollout serving this idea that ultimately serves the songs. It's really nice. And, that, and that's been sick. I, it's cool to see it all come together. That's another piece of silver lining about the pandemic. Obviously, it's terrible, but like, it's been cool that we've had time to really flesh out these ideas and make these things come to life that, you know, a lot of which would have fallen by the wayside had we been going 100 miles an hour like we usually are touring. And so it's been fun to, to like kind of make all that come to life. All these things also reinforce the self-titled nature, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people have asked why the record self-titled. Yeah, there's, there's really more to it than we sometimes think about. Like it's not just like the rebranding of the music or the new label. It's like there's so many. There's like we just said. There's so many more things that we've done this time that we've never done before. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, yeah, it's kind of, it's, when you're so in it and you're so caught up in it, it's like hard to really recognize how different it is. Yeah. But now that we're, you know, we've had some space between, you know, it's now January, space between now and August when we started this rollout. And then obviously a lot of time spent before then getting all this prepped, but it's like, now you look at it and it's like, man, this is a, we definitely stepped up our involvement mm-hmm. beyond just writing the music. I mean, in every aspect, everything has just had so much more focus and attention put on it. And, and yeah, I think it was time for a self-titled. Um, yeah, I mean, cause a, lot, a lot of that, there were some like intense growing pains with a lot of the changes made. Like it was like tough for me to like reconcile that like we might have a different style of artwork. Like we're not going to have this beautiful image like what Meet Yafit made for Neon or what Aaron Marsh made for Drift. Like, uh, yeah, it's kind of like tough like for me to like part with this idea. Like I was afraid people would not understand what we were trying to do but I feel like I feel like if we had done it good enough and the vision was just so clear and just like so focused and so on point that they would get it that they would pick up on it and they would come around if we could feel confident in what we were doing it would permeate mm-hmm. and I can happily say now that I'm feeling pretty confident yeah same. <laughs> I, I, I know you ha- you did have a list of some title ideas what did make you decide to the self-title was ultimately the move. It was kind of everybody else because I, I like I sent like my like gnarly list of ideas, and uh, I think in, I think in that list I, I either put self-titled or I just like sent that message and then I was like extra message or we just call it era <laughs> and then everyone was like hmm, that sounds naughty. <laughs> So we just I mean, decided it's to true. be a little naughty. It kind of is how it panned out. It's like, we can do another record that's like one word. We're already going all in. All in. We might as well go all the way. Yeah, so, so that, was, that, was, that was that process. Because it just, and I think like if, if, if it had been any of the other records, um, as much as we love the other records, like, I don't think it would have, we would have had that impulse to be like, let's call it era. But, but this one, we were just like, yeah, this is, this, is, this is the time. This is the point in the band's career to to do this for sure and like we don't want to waste the opportunity it's like now now is the time now is the time to change now is the time to like try new things to freshen up the whole aesthetic and now is the time to call the record era yeah and furthermore i think a lot of bands that do self-titled they they often do it like once they've made a a major change Mm -hmm. uh and it's almost like uh, trying to say like this is who we are now whereas this record does not follow a major change. In fact, it feels more comprehensive. Like, you know, Augment and Impulse listeners will probably find more that they like on this record than they, than they would have on Neon and Drift. Agreed. And the elements from Neon and Drift are, still exist. Yeah. So if anything, it feels like just a very comprehensive view of what the band has done throughout its entire career. Yes. Just elevated. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I think it totally encompasses every... <laughs> Era of era, kill me for making that joke. You know, I've been hearing that that joke of that word like our whole careers. <laughs> <laughs>